0: Kamenetsky Brothers podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It is Wednesday the 12th 12th, ah, of December. Um, Getting right up near the the Christmas time, Andy, in that big game with the the Lakers and the Warriors. That's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. And it's going to be fun, Andy, in part because it's not impossible to think that game could be for a share of first place in the Western Conference. That is not. It probably won't be. But just the idea. But it could that, be.
1: just the idea that we're saying this without just sounding like super Laker, you know, apologists.
0: Exactly. That's pretty awesome. I mean, and, and honestly, when has anybody ever accused us of that?
1: That is true. We are typically accused of the opposite of, of so. hating the, of hating them. Well, you know, the thing that I the thing that lets me know, Brian, at the risk of sounding immodest, that we are incredible at the job that we do, is that we get accused all the time of both sucking up to the Lakers and hating the Lakers. We're accused all the time of sucking up to Kobe and hating Kobe. Like, all these different things I am down the line. You're very
0: rarely accused of sucking up to Kobe. Oh, I've, I've gotten that before. I'm just saying I have. Well, you're worse. Right. That's the problem is you're well, worse than that me. because that Oscar nomination was a sham. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I just, I'm just leaning into it. Just because, you know, you can't, you know... You people, and you know who I'm talking about when I say you people. <laughs> you Oscar voters. You can't be convinced. <laughs> you you know, animated branch of the no, Academy not people. Them, not them. The, the, once the Kobe people decide that you don't like Kobe, there's no yeah. amount of Kobe talk that That's can true. convince you the other way. That is true. So I at the, I am done convincing them. Now I'm just going to lean into it.
1: No, I, I get it. I mean, I, I, I feel like, you know, I've, I've been me in this whole process, but you've really, Brian, taken the mantle in terms of being like the – if you and I are a Kobe hating, you know, corporation, you've really leaned into being the face of it.
0: Yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> Somebody's got to be out, like, out it, front. You know, I'm but more, look, be, I'm you, more behind the scenes. Look, let's let's face it. I mean, we, we have all these, the, the you know, Kobe versus Jordan, this and that, and who's the second? There have been times where Kobe wasn't even the best shooting guard on his own team. That's true. I mean, there, there, <laughs> were. I mean, a few... let's can we can we break it down and really be honest. There about were some. It y- I remember like a few months
1: where you watched, like Shimon Williams I mean, out there, and you're like, that guy is.
0: Why pretty isn't good. he playing more?
1: Like I, I know that the opportunity. I mean, the only, let's be okay.
0: The oppor- hey, The hey, only reason is Sasha, is Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> Sasha <laughs> Buiacic, was buried behind Kobe politics. Politics. Redondo yeah. Most he, of the time I look at. My I mean, the magnificence of Sasha. So many things it. have disappeared from that's our little great. soundboard. Like, mm-hmm. every every so you often, bring time, people behind the curtain. Every so often, to, um, things get written over and they, they purge Polygon. sound and they love it. re-add things and whatever. Everybody's soundboard, not just ours. No, just like the whole sound system here at the station. Sasha has survived. There's a reason. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm not even sure you can find that on YouTube anymore.
1: Um, anywho. You don't think SashaVujicic18.com gets the same traffic it used to? How many hits do you think that gets now? Depends how many times Sasha refreshes. How many
0: hits do you think it got
1: then? (laughs) Depends (laughs) on how many times Sasha (laughs) refreshes. Um, Remember there's that one video of him and his assistant, Emily, uh, trying out different headbands that fans sent him. Yeah, I do remember that. What do you think Emily's up to? (laughs) I got to be honest, <laughs> Emily. If you're listening, <laughs> I have to be
0: honest. That's a lot of headbands. Right, you, <laughs> you can Google. You can Google almost anything and get an answer. What happened to Sasha <laughs> Vujacic's assistant Emily may not be Googleable. Mm-hmm. But if you do happen to know the answer, if you're out there, Emily, please. Um, all right. So the Lakers are really kind of rolling along here, Andy. And what I think is is fascinating about this is that uh, they're 17 and 10. We talked about uh, how the Christmas Day game. Could be in theory, probably won't, but could be for a share of the Western conference lead. There's the, the Western the, the the conference is still a cluster bleep. There's I mean the 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 fourteenth seed right now is Houston, as we talk here on Wednesday. I believe they're twelve and fourteen. One either they're either twelve or fourteen or thirteen and fifteen, either Utah or Houston's one or the other. Like, think about that for a second. Like the thirteenth seed is a team that won forty eight games, has the defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert, um, or you know, or former defensive player of the year, the second runner up of the rookie of the year, second runner-up coach of the year, all that. And the fourteenth seed has James Harden and Chris Paul. And it's it's, it's, it's I mean, forget who's even there. forget who's even on the teams, just take into account
1: the thirteen and fourteen seeds are two games below 500. Yes. Like just forget who's
0: even on the team. Right, that's that's unusual. Yes. There's but despite that there is a little bit of separation taking place in the conference in terms of the standings. And the Lakers are on the good side of it where you know, yeah, they're a fit, they're a five seed right now, but they're, you know, towards that much closer to the top than they are closer to the bottom thing. Um they've got uh the game in Houston coming up which if they can pull the, if they can win that game not only does it one more game that the Rockets are behind. That's a- another game that you steal off the schedule that you didn't think was going to be available to you. They have a couple winnable games on this road trip. Like it's not inconceivable the Lakers could get to twenty game twenty wins here relatively quickly. Um, they are way ahead of schedule, as far as I can tell. Given what people like you and I thought, where ten and ten was an option, you know nine and eleven eleven and nine, whatever it might be. At seventeen and ten, they are way ahead of schedule. Yeah, and they're
1: they're a really interesting team because they're clearly getting better. Yes, I mean, and if you watch the eye test, the eye test confirms they're getting better. Particularly on defense. But at the same time, the 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 eye test also at times make you makes you unsure exactly how they're doing it. I mean, beyond the you know beyond the benefits that come from having LeBron on your team, and the, you know, and there's a trickle down effect. Well, that's
0: that is a that's a big part of it, and, right. and that's why you have people like him. Right, but but at
1: the same time though, like you you, you watch them over the corsa and uh, over the course of a game and uh, Darius Soriano from Forum Blue and Gold put out a good post breaking down some of the numbers of the way they play in the fourth quarter and the, the fact that they've been one of the best fourth quarter teams in the league,
0: which by the way surprised me. But- I was a little surprised just not that they had been good but how good the numbers right, were. Right,
1: exactly, because their fourth quarters at times uh look a little train wrecky. You know, they they don't always look polished and yeah. they, and they don't always look pretty, but they've been able to get through it. But what's interesting about it to me, Brian, is just the way that the lead-ups often to these fourth quarters are also not always that pretty and then you find out just how well they've been succeeding in the fourth. They're they're a weird team in the sense that the eye test both confirms that they're getting better, and also makes it mystifying that they are getting well, better. some of it's in certain ways.
0: Right. Some of it, I think, is because what the, how they started. Uh, you know, the the oh, and three, two and five, a lot of games where you're leaning on LeBron, and the the young guys didn't get off to a particularly good start, and all that. And then you know, so that even with teams with LeBron, where everybody is watching and dissecting every single minute of it, um, it, it the narratives get kind of put out there, and then they take a while. The second thing is, they've gotten good on defense in a way that's sustainable. And I just I broke it down. I got a post coming up on the Athletic uh, later. Surprising, but sustainable. Surprising, but it's like you know you start to break it down, and they were you know over the last currently they're ninth in the league in in defensive rating over their last fifteen games, which is not a tiny sample size. They're sixth over their last seven games, they're third, and so the the more you get you know closer to what they're doing now like they just keeps getting better and better and better and i mean i guess this is as good an opportunity to turn to why some of it makes sense you know the tyson chandler thing as we've talked about not only does chandler help them he keeps them from having to do things that they're bad at that small ball five thing that they weren't that just wasn't working um lonzo's ball hawking and you know javel McGee's shot blocking and josh hart's efforts and all that and the versatility there ingram's length and then you get to, to Kuzma, and I know you've written about it, and a lot of people are obviously talking about what he's done this month. Written about it where, Brian? On the Athletic, which you can subscribe to, and you should because it's good.
1: I just want to make sure people know where to get it. And the only way, by by the way, that they can read what I what I would only say at the risk of sounding immodest, brilliant breakdown is it's to subscribe.
0: Win some sort of Pulitzer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of those.
1: Yeah, I mean, might be like one of those, you know, like. Pulitzers that you get out of the back of somebody's trunk, but, a it, but I'll still get it. Misspelled. Well, it'll be like the
0: P-O-O-L-I-T-Z-E-R. That's a Pulitzer. Yeah. Still take it. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's an honor just to be nominated. Um, it's one of those times where really you can polish up. A speaking tur- of which, let's. Yeah, speaking of which, well, if you're gonna give to us, <laughs> we'll, we'll take it. Anyway. Uh, we are gonna talk a little bit about this whole Oscar host controversy because that's another gig that is still available and I would consider if offered. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like if you went, if you scrubbed our Twitter uh, account at Cam there's nothing homophobic on our Twitter.
1: No, account. I mean, I think there's nothing that would be problematic other than if you just saw maybe some things are like, whoa, they thought that was funny. Right,
0: <laughs> we're not, you know, that's what they felt was going to happen to the Lakers in 2017. Right, right. We could be wrong about stuff, but like, there's no, no racism. No, I don't. There.
1: I don't think either one of us would be considered problematic other than the lack of
0: audience. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so when you when you saw and we're going we'll get to Kuzma's offense here in a second but like you took an like Kuzma for the, the first 10 games of the season whatever it was wasn't just like oh he's not, not doing great he was a major liability on that side of the floor he's gone from being a major liability to like oh he's kind of handy to have around he's like doing pretty well that's the type of 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 leap that changes a defense like you know it's like making a trade for somebody really good and benching somebody who isn't. And obviously it's the same guy. And now you look at it offensively, and you're trying to figure out reasons why the Lakers have made this little run. They're, they're up to 17-10. and 10. Obviously some of it's a schedule lightening up a little bit for them. But also, too, it's like they've traded for another player in Kuzma. Uh, are you moving the numbers in front of you? Is that, yeah. Uh, yeah? So like you've got the numbers for what Kuzma has done well, this month.
1: Specifically, um, when you look at passing, because he's been much more of a playmaker, over, say, the last 10 games than what he'd been in the beginning of the year, but also just his career career. in general. Um, But also defensively, for the season, Kuzma, his defensive rating, according to NBA.com, their number crunching, is 106.3. Over the last six games of December, it's been a 102.2. And for people who don't know, you want it to get lower. And expanding that sample size even a little bit further – over the last ten games, it's been a ninety-eight point seven. Like and
0: when your when your when your defensive rating can double as an FM radio station, <laughs> is that That's kiss? Good. Is that kiss out here or what is that? 98.7. the home of Clayson no, but isn't Rock. that? Isn't, I, don't, I don't know. What I, it is.
1: I think that is actually a pretty big station out in LA. It's a big station everywhere. But 98.7 I think
0: 98.7 is like the universal. Big station number.
1: Um, And then, like, you look at his uh, assist numbers. On the season, um, his assist percentage is 9.2. And in December, it's 14.5. Like, over the last 10 games, it's almost
0: 15. Yeah, it's just, and again, it's... He's been much more involved in playmaking. You're talking about a guy who made... Who has, at least for eight games or whatever it is this month, has made a, a tremendous leap, not just in scoring, which is the thing he was good at, uh, but in all the other stuff, the floor game, the defense, whatever, it's as if they've traded for another player. And when you talk about why the Lakers, I thought at the beginning of the season, I continue to think they're the most intriguing team in the West, is because they are the team with the most potential to get better over the course of the year. Other than, I guess, maybe you could say the Clippers, because we don't know, nobody expected them to be good when I mean, nobody really knows what they are. Um, Of the more established teams, the Lakers have that ability to get better, and it's because of continuity, but it's also because of the idea that some of these younger players could continue to improve over the course of the season. Kuzma's done it. Now, it's a small sample size. The league will adjust in in ways that they did last year that slowed him down at different times. But if it's sustainable, the Lakers, again, traded for just like on the defensive and on the offensive side they've traded for a better player without having to give anybody up and then you look at you know like lonzo his potential for improvement um the shooting percentages are getting a little wonky again but his overall impact went from a six negative 6.9 net rating in october to negative 0.2 in november and a positive 10.3 this this month all that stuff shows that these guys are getting better and if they get better, if they're 20% better in February, March, April than they are today, the Lakers, the top end for what the Lakers can be really is 52-53 games and, and stuff like that. The that, that optimistic projections, the most optimistic projections had them at. Yeah, I mean, they, they still need to as a team, you know, whether you're talking about over the
1: course of a game or whether you're talking about in the fourth quarter, they still need to become better at not being as dependent on LeBron you know, I mean, like the, what we saw last week at Staples Center when they beat the Spurs was a perfect example of how the young players, because you had Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzman, Lonzo all making big plays in conjunction with LeBron, you know, sometimes getting set up by LeBron, sometimes setting up LeBron like that was LeBron and the youth of this team. Like, you know, ultimately the players that really matter most when you're talking about the long term future of this team, whatever direction it goes in. Like, that's the perfect formula, but we need to see more of it. Yeah. Like, it needs to become more of a regular, sustainable team before you know really what the top end of the Lakers can be beyond just the win total. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, it's, they're two separate questions because LeBron can get you some wins
0: by himself, but that's not the same no, thing you as the high-end no. potential of the and team. you don't want that to be the kind of – the idea that they're not going to be LeBron dependent in the same way that every team isn't your star, you know, the Pelicans are Anthony Davis dependent, the uh, the 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 Blazers are Damian Lillard dependent in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter is silly. That's 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 how this works, um, but it's all the stuff that goes before. It, and it's also can those other guys, especially when you have somebody like LeBron who isn't going to take every shot and will pass you the ball, are those guys going to put themselves in position to? Cut to the basket and make a play to hit the corner three that Lonzo hit the other day, you know, and, and make those plays. But by, by dependent, a... I just mean the no, idea I, that I, they sure. they can't really function without LeBron. Saving totally, them. totally understand what you mean.
1: You know, the uh, the, the two thousand six Lakers, for example. You know, you
0: could make a serious no, argument that was a, that was they were a, a little team, dependent despite on Kobe. what I said before that was a team where he was in fact the best shooting guard on the team. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, I mean, like that um,
1: at, that team. You know, was in a codependent relationship yes. with Kobe. In the,
0: in the immortal words of the Iron Sheik, "You people, shut up." <laughs> um, so I, I, but the other. I wouldn't thing... even say they were codependent. Now that
1: I think about it, because Kobe was depending on them for nothing, <laughs> nothing uh, other than his own aggravation.
0: Yeah, no, that was that was well the the, the for the checks to clear. I suppose yeah, that's true. Uh, Technically, but... he had to do that in order to get the money. The other thing that. I think is 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 interesting about this uh this start is that it gives them some cushion because they yeah. are not fully formed yet and they got to get rondo back in the lineup they've got to get ingram back in the lineup whenever these things happen and you know i i they're on a bit of a roll right now, and kuzma's obviously enjoyed the the uptick in in opportunity and all that kind of stuff they're gonna be better off when they have more talent available to them. We saw on that second um the, the, the road game in in San Antonio, even if you don't think Ingram and LeBron work together offensively, they need him defensively because like these long guys, these mid-range, it's another kind of player that they can throw at the DeMar DeRozans of the world, which comes important in the playoff time. Um, the, getting guys back in the lineup, if it does muck things up for two, three, four games, because they've got this little cushion built up, if they split them, if they lose three or four, whatever it might be, It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. We we had marked heading into this season,
1: this period of the schedule as the Lakers have to capitalize on this. Mm -hmm. This is the softest part of their schedule, and I don't care what they look like up to this point. Even if they get off to the slow start that they did, but also that a lot of people predicted they would, because that's traditionally how LeBron's teams get going. They have to capitalize, and they did. But it is going to be interesting seeing how Luke looks to reintegrate this because Rondo and Ingram have been the two guys who've missed the most amount of time, mm-hmm. but they're also two guys that have the ball in their hand in the way that they play. And, you know, we've seen with, say, the Celtics, for example, that obviously having as many options as they have in terms of talent is big picture a good thing, but it is more complicated. Well, yeah, like I was listening it, to... a. Pete Zayas, um, our colleague over at The Athletic, was on Mason in Ireland, um, I believe it was yesterday, talking about Kyle Kuzma and the, and the way he's improved lately.
0: They really, truly are not say, booing. No they're, no. they're really saying Kuz. And he had a theory,
1: Pete, that I, I think, if nothing else, isn't far-fetched, that Kuzma's uptick in playmaking isn't just a matter of more opportunities without – Ingram, there, it's feeling less territorial about the time that you have the ball, and feeling like you can give it up more because the shots are still going to be there. And he's
0: felt like that's part of the thing. I think that limits Ingram. Like he's like because he's asked to play more off the ball. He's trying when he does get it, he feels like this is my opportunity to move with it. Sure, my opportunity to put the ball. But but that
1: that's the type of thing. You know, and it's not the only thing that will inevitably make it more complicated for Luke when he's working with a full deck. Again, big picture. Mm-hmm. These are good problems to have, and I think ultimately they can figure it out.
0: Well, yeah. And it, it, but it does make it more it complicated. Does. And I think what what helps, too, is they have guys at the bottom of the rotation that are easy to, to kind of remove. Um, if you sit Lance Stevenson for 12, 15 games in a row, other than Lance Stevenson— nobody's going to care like it's that's not going to be problematic and these are not i, don't know. I mean big big meme isn't going to like it yeah it's true <laughs> um and michael beasley who's already kind of been in and out of mostly out of the routine if you don't see much of him that's okay uh but look i mean if they if they go get a guy like trevor ariza i mean he's gonna play he's not gonna play 35 minutes a night like he has over the last three or four uh seasons which is actually a a reason to trade for him if you can i mean uh twenty-five minutes of a 33-year-old Ariza who can really crank it in there is is more ideal than 35. Um, but he's gonna play, and those 25 minutes are gonna come from someone. You hope it can trim a little bit off LeBron's workload, but it means Ingram's gonna play less. It means a few minutes less for Kuzma, it means a little bit everybody everybody's gonna have to give. The thing that makes that possible is if you're winning. Yep. Because nobody rocks the boat when you're winning. And the opportunity Golden State is still going to be a, a a kind of an absurdly difficult out if guys are all healthy and DeMarcus Cousins comes back um healthy and able to contribute and you know they get enough you know Yon- Yunus Yurebko has started to play pretty well off the bench and they're doing all this without Iguodala and like if that roster is full by the spring I don't, I don't know who beats them but a they might not be and B, that still leaves openings to do other interesting things, if the Lakers have that opportunity. And it's the as of today, December twelfth, the Western Conference is wide open. If you can make those little moves around the margins to pick up, I mean, it costs you KCP, who's would be another one of those guys who just isn't going to play very much when Ingram and Rondo come back. I mean, you do that a thousand times you know every every opportunity yeah and, and what we're referencing uh, the report from Woj
1: that the Lakers have been exploring uh, among other teams among other teams are exploring ways to pry Trevor Ariza away from the Suns so, although i mean in theory all of them could possibly wait until a buyout opportunity comes around but they the, could but, but the best way the, to make the, sure it happens
0: the, the 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 more difficult thing about this and i think this gets to the philo- philosophy and on what makes the trade Potential intriguing is you're gonna have to give up. It's not, the Phoenix Suns are gonna get a better offer for a reason than just Contavious Caldwell Pope. So what else do you put? Well, in I mean, that you, deal?
1: you can argue KCP doesn't really even make much sense for them to begin with. Y- yes, I um, mean there's a lot of talk and, and Woj referenced this that. At least as far as the Lakers go in KCP, because he's the salary that come December. 15th, it's got you got to have a third team in there, right? You're gonna have to have a third team. You know, there's some talk that maybe Philadelphia would get involved, and in it possibly would involve moving Markel Fultz, and ultimately KCP would go to Philly, where he actually makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, you can get into you know the the rabbit hole of whether or not it's worth moving Markel Faults. You know, and whatever potential Philly may still think he has. Uh, for the opportunity of bolstering this season, but KCP would help in Philadelphia.
0: Sure, but, and, and all of those things still lend themselves to, like, the Lakers, to get Ariza in a competitive market, still are probably going to have to give up more. And so it comes up like, what? Like, do you give up a pick? Okay, well, are they second-rounders? Are they first-rounders? Are they first-rounders next year? Are they first-rounders th- two or three years down the LeBron road here, where, like, in theory, you're getting kind of the end of this uh, run and it's less important to see what happens afterwards as opposed to right now where you're like, you're going to need stuff. You need ammo. Is it a player? Is it – it's not one of the core four you no. wouldn't think. No. But is it –
1: That's is, actually a bad move.
0: Yes, it is. is it, every time you add one of these things to a potential trade, whether it's for Reese or anyone else who isn't a superstar, you reduce the amount of things that are available for you to trade for that yeah, guy. I mean, the, Anthony the, the, Davis. the Lakers went
1: through this during the last four or five years of you know. – I'm not even talking – Kobe post-Achilles, but the last three to four years of when Kobe was still Kobe, they mortgaged a lot of the future for right. the present.
0: And I'd be okay with that. I was except, fine with the right. Lakers when they did it. And, and so, but you still got to do it smart because if, you know, you can't, is it Mo Wagner? Maybe. It was like, and so like- Bonga? There is an opportunity. No, we are not sacrificing any Bonga time uh, or the opportunity or the possibility or the-, the He's too the, valuable he, for us. Yes, he my, is. My God, that- like the eight or whatever minutes that he played um, towards the end. This is what my my, 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 feeling (laughs) about Isaac Bongo.
1: That like eight or whatever minutes that he played down the stretch of that blowout win in Memphis was so hilarious. I mean, he was very understandably jacked up to be out there.
0: He is the youngest player in the NBA. Yeah,
1: he's 19 years old and he's out of his mind. To be out there, he's from out of town. And was play, I mean so frenetic and just attacking out of control constantly. In the meantime, like everyone on the bench is
0: encouraging him to oh, do this. Total enablers over there. It was really it was awful, awfully awesome. Um, but like you know, so like, but how much are you willing to move? And every piece that they would move, every, every the more valuable whatever the, the thing is, a first round pick, a first and a second one is. More indication of their confidence that they're going to get someone in the, in the in the summertime. To me, that's how I read it. If you give up something valuable that makes it harder to make a, a big trade for the Anthony Davis types of guys, who I'm sorry, if you're going to get Anthony Davis, you're going to have to give them all the stuff. It can't be like we're going to hold back Kuzma and Ingram or something. You can have Lonzo and a pick. I, well, I mean, yes and no.
1: I I don't know if I totally agree with that read. Just because including one of those guys for Trevor Ariza is a, just a dumb deal. I'm just, but my my so, point. I, so I I don't I don't you know, agree I with that read. But I I, well, I think they're independent of each other.
0: Separate reads. But like my my point is, if you're going to trade for Anthony Davis, you're going to need all of the things. Um, that could include all of you know two multiple first round picks, multiple. Obviously, you're not trading Kyle Kuzma for Trevor Ariza. Kyle Kuzma is better than Trevor Ariza, um, but you know, like, you just the more stuff that you don't have, the harder it's going to be to get somebody like Davis. So I, I, it's both at the same time a referendum on this year and a referendum. I guess on their I confidence mean it, de- it ultimately
1: summer. depends on what they include. I mean, I, sure. I think that's sort of a TBD theory. Um, but we'll see. But broadly, we'll see. We'll see I, what it looks I, like. I, assuming they even get a reason. Um, yeah, be kind of. But cool but, but I do think he he makes much more sense for this team with a full roster and the way the rotation has thus far been laid out by Luke. He makes more sense than KCP because the role KCP has been playing with everybody out there is off the bench, you know, an undersized three or even an undersized
0: four – and again, he's not, he's not gonna play a lot right. with everybody with, with everybody back.
1: But you know, Ariza, the the his defensive versatility and size is ju- it's just better than K- than what KCP can offer in that role.
0: Related to the the what I was just talking about in terms of the the Lakers confidence in getting one of the I guess what we call them, the big big four free agents this summer Durant, Leonard, Butler, Clay. Yeah. Um I'd call it a big five with Julius Randle, but that's just me. Um so, We're never gonna give up on this. Nope. Uh, God, the irony would be amazing. If like that's who they use their max. Remember
1: we were talking about in the last podcast how hilarious it would be if the big summer offseason acquisitions, their big free agents, were Julius Randle and they put out an offer sheet for D'Angelo Russell that <laughs> the Nets don't match.
0: <laughs> the latter is definitely not happening. The no. former, I guess could happen. The latter no. Over magic cold dead body. But, but the
1: latter's funnier. It is. So I hope I hope Magic's <laughs> at
0: least open to it. It's much funnier. Gotta explore every option. Um, there's a story Brian Windhorst has out on ESPN um this week about the Clippers and their push to try to get two max guys, and they're focusing really on Kawhi, who's been rumored to uh, be linked to to the Clippers, um, and KD. And not, getting not just one, but both of those guys. Um, I, I don't know if they're going there. Um, I am more skeptical, though, about the idea of any of those four guys ending up here for different reasons. Clay, I don't think he's going anywhere. No, we. Jimmy Butler, I don't necessarily think the Lakers are are dying to give him a max contract.
1: Plus, you, I mean, while obviously you know, even you know, an, even a, a backroom deal isn't worth the paper that it's not written on or whatever. Right you have to assume philly has pretty good indications got a, got a
0: feeling that he's re-signing but i just i, I as he's not as, who i'd go for either, as much but. as the now matters over the later i mean every year beyond the fact that he's you know you look at the end of that contract and go um the beginning of he's it, already gotten hurt in already, philadelphia right he got hurt i mean i don't know how hurt he was in minnesota but he got hurt in philly um and so i just i don't like that idea Kawhi you know, I, mean, I trust Ramona's reporting here and on the conversations she's had. Where the Lakers don't seem to be the front. I don't think he's it. leaving at all. I, 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 he thought, may not I thought, no, you right. The moment
1: the Raptors got him, he's but staying. He,
0: but, but the idea that he could come to L.A. and not play for the Lakers, I think is very viable. Sure, and I and I, I don't trust the idea that KD doesn't care enough about what people are going to say about his next choice to be like, hey, I want to do, I want to come to L.A. and play for the Lakers, and and. Could cover myself in that glory.
1: Well, especially too, after the comments that he made uh, regarding the toxic atmosphere playing with LeBron. Although I was thinking about this, and maybe there's a chance, Brian, that Durant was attempting a form of like mass reverse psychology. Yes, you don't want to come play here because I want to come play. Oh, no, here. no, not even that. Not even that. Not, not that he's trying to trick Clay or trick uh, Kawhi or trick Jimmy Butler or whatever free agent. He's trying to lay the groundwork so that his eventual decision to join the Lakers looks harder than everybody thinks that it is. Possible. You know, he's not taking the, quote, easy way out by joining the best player in the league, you know, just like he took the easy way out joining the Warriors, according to the naysayers. He's actually diving headfirst into the nuclear waste— that is the it's, toxic atmosphere. It's, playing it's a with little. I, I
0: understand what you're saying. It may, be, may the, be a side benefit. It's a little three dimensional chess, but.
1: Oh, no, that's four. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up four dimensional. Plus, Brian, he's taking on, he's not only taking on the, Le, the LeBron James media fanboys, he's taking them on like head on. Mm-hmm. He's going. He is going mano a mano with people like you and me. Yep. That's the bravery.
0: Fan that it, boy.
1: That's the bravery it would take for Kevin Durant to join the
0: Lakers. He's putting that narrative out there. What, what I did think was interesting about that whole kerfuffle is that nothing he said, other than the whininess of it, was wrong. I, mean, I know we talked about this before. I mean, he's not wrong about. Why guys would not? Why Kawhi wouldn't want to play? Sure, with but it is LeBron. rather
1: telling that he's the only of those people that talked about this on the record who complained about the media coverage of well, LeBron. Sure, I mean, I mean because that,
0: he he wants he doesn't he wants. He's not upset that LeBron gets fawning media coverage. He's no, he wants more and, Durant fanboys. Correct. In his he's mind. upset that he doesn't get the same amount of of fawning media coverage as LeBron. I don't think he I mean, he made it pretty clear. It's not LeBron's fault. I don't begrudge. They're friends. It's just why. It, it's very much why don't I get that? Right. Uh, because he is like he's a he's a great contributor to his community. He's like he yeah. stays out of you know. It's not like he's been like his trouble. You know, guy like this and that or coach killer whatever it is. He's like, an amazing he, player, and he's <laughs> awfully good. He's the only player in the league who can make a legitimate claim to being better than Kevin, Dur- or better than LeBron. And so, um, but like when you factor in all this other stuff, like he's not what he's saying about why guys might avoid it, isn't at all wrong. And I thought that was. Kind of overlooked. Like he's Kawhi just the doesn't only guy, need to play He's with, just the only yeah.
1: guy that spoke about it. And granted, he was the only guy really
0: of that caliber. Other was asked and who will talk talks well, about
1: everything. Well, no, but I was going to say like he was the only guy of that caliber. Other than I think some, if I remember correctly, like Kawhi Leonard gave some brief comments as if there's any other kind he ever gives to uh, buker Like in terms of star guys, nobody sounded as self-serving in their commentary on this as Durant. But again. Doesn't mean he's wrong, right? Um,
0: but again, not I a think great. He's
1: play, no, I think he's playing some four-dimensional he might chess. Be, yes. Might
0: be not a great messenger for an an accurate message that Lake the Lakers management ought to understand. Yeah, I mean, like like there is a there are a lot of reasons like why Kawhi wouldn't come here, um, and so if that's your plan, you need to make sure. Um. Oh, I just saw something coming through on Twitter. A chocolate factory. There's a leak at a German chocolate factory, and chocolate is literally flowing through the streets of this German town (laughs) (laughs) like a lava flow. There's chocolate in the streets (laughs) of Westonen, Germany. That's awesome. (laughs) Can you eat it? Good luck keeping your. I mean, obviously, you keep the stuff, you don't eat the stuff on the bottom, although the streets in Germany are very clean. You could eat off the spoon. I think you insurance. just take a spoon and you skim you off the skim top. You just skim off the top. Yeah.
1: I mean you just you sort of skim it till you, you see maybe a little bit of stuff sticking through and you say, All right, that this is where it ends.
0: Like my 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 middle my my youngest son, uh, my my middle child now is obsessed with lava and like volcanoes. He thinks he thinks every mountain is a volcano and all that kind of stuff. Like, I understand, like you lava flow, you run like fire. Ah like but <laughs> the chocolate is coming at you. Are, is it at least part of you, kind of torn and wants to stay? No, I mean th- this. Even is, molten chocolate is still dangerous. Like thi-
1: this is the opposite movie of like Dante's Peak or Volcano. <laughs>
0: you know, where it's <laughs> no, it's a combination of Dante's Peak and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I guess so. Yeah, it's a mashup. I mean, it,
1: like, I suppose the chocolate could be hot, but it's gonna it's gonna cool down much quicker than magma.
0: <laughs> I mean, magma. like the, 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 the you would think.
1: I'm pretty positive like the the danger the danger factor
0: and this is pretty low the delicious factor is extremely <laughs> high though uh all right before we go let's let's do this uh oscar thing because again we are available and you know what how about this i'll even put this out there i am willing to say so whatever the normal fee that people get for the oscars actually jimmy kimmel was uh recently talking about this because
1: you know he's hosted the last couple of years uh, not as high as one thinks it's, it is no no no
0: it's not as high as you think it is in the same in the same way that people think oh you get like you must get a lot of money for hosting a super bowl halftime show or something like that like if you're the if you're the headlining act oh no they expect you to sort of volunteer to do that no
1: i think jimmy kimmel said it was something like 15 grand the good news is that's a lot for us right so what i was going <laughs> to say we're going to be overwhelmed
0: let's say it is $15,000 to host the entire night i would be willing to say that we would take it combined they wouldn't even have to give us 15 grand each Hmm. That's a bad first offer. I think I think we should take this out. <laughs> I mean, let's but go there. In let's fairness, go there. In the fairness. I'm not sure how much leverage we have. I'm just saying I think we like, should come in kind of hot with this like, hey, if you guys are interested, if if money is if money is the problem. No, no. Wait to be told money is the problem. Don't declare I'd rather, it. I'd rather the problem. I'd rather get the gig. And I think this is probably the only thing that's keeping us from getting it. But anyway, Kevin Hart it took it was taking everybody a while to find an Oscar host. Anyway, still is. Um, it's becoming a harder job to fill because yeah. it's sort of thankless in the sense that everybody already automatically thinks you've done a bad job. Everybody thinks the show's too long. Everyone everybody thinks the show's thinks too long. Too bloated. Everyone blames you for that. Um, so they got Kevin Hart. And there's more things now
1: to watch, like the same, the same type of you know importance. I mean, obviously the old, the Oscars is still a big cultural event, and you know it still gets paid attention to. But you know, it used to be one of you know one programming on four networks, and now as things have expanded right. more and more, it's just become harder to keep our attention. So,
0: they 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 oh, we'll get Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart agreed to do it, and then people really wasn't even discovered. They went and they re basically republished some old tweets of his uh, that were were homophobic, um, certainly uh, considered offensive to a lot of people in the gay community, particularly. Um, and Kevin Hart, you know, who had already spoken about those tweets and apologized for them, uh, sort, of sort of apologized. Sort of apologized. I mean,
1: as far as what I, as far as what I could find, I would say he offered something, uh, something between an apology. And uh, it's
0: not worth doing this anymore, right? Like, no, I sure. I just mean like my. It point didn't is seem he, particularly. He, at least what I've seen. He did came not out seem first with a though. with a. I'm not really need to apologize. Oh no,
1: I'm talking about when he. When, oh,
0: you mean originally? I'm talking about originally. Way back in the day, like yeah.
1: or as far as far as what I can find, his initial. Like for example, uh, he was talking in Rolling Stone. This is 2015. You know, he claims that he addressed these in the moment. I can't find anything of it, but in 2015, he was talking about um, a joke that he had in the 2010 set where he said, quote, that's a fear in terms of his son growing up being gay. Keep in mind, I'm not homophobic, be happy, do what you wanna do, but for me Mm -hmm. as a heterosexual male, if I can prevent my son from being gay, I will, Later said, the funny thing within that joke is it's me getting mad at my son because of my own insecurities, I panicked. It has nothing to do with him, it's about me. That's the difference between bringing a joke across that's well thought and something, saying something that's just to ruffle feathers. I wouldn't tell that joke today because when I said it, the times weren't as sensitive as they are now. I think we'd love to make big deals out of things that aren't necessarily big deals because we can. That's both him owning his own insecurity, which good for you, but also saying that the joke is problematic in part because of all of you. Right, no. So that's what I'm saying. As far as what I've been able to find, because I was genuinely curious about this, his apology, at least the way he's framing
0: this, again, insofar as what I can find, not... Sure. Totally and I get an and, and I get the and I get his st- sort of stance there about like it's. I wasn't making. I, I'm not saying being gay is wrong. I'm making fun of my own insecurity. I don't think the joke is constructed that way. Well, I don't um, even know if he intended it that way, it, <laughs> it, or it really was a joke. I, mean, I don't like, think there's... he. He may not have realized
1: it in the. I mean, in the moment, like he may recognize the insecurities there now,
0: but I don't think that was the intentional construction of the joke. No, in and the I moment. think back then, you know, like the, the other one was about something about like you know, my kid was playing with a dollhouse. I would. You know, smash it and say that's gay, and tell them to stop and whatever, um, and with, so I, with the f slur and right. all that stuff. And I get so I mean I get why people look at that and go, dude, um, what what I think becomes challenging here is sort of the larger in one. It's two things. First of all, is anybody is is it worth it for anybody to host the Oscars at this point? Do you even need a host for the Oscars, or can you just go? Award to award have last year. Do you know, they come up? They say a couple things. Introduce the people coming up, and we just watch We'll talk people.
1: about the way to shave the time. Right. There it is. Watch
0: and let people actually give speeches and watch that. And, and like that, that for me would be the best. Assuming, by the way, all the presenters um, aren't problematic in any type of way. Right. But the other thing, it's
1: amazing, by the way, that the Oscars didn't
0: clearly didn't do the type of vetting that would have I think been running there. out of people. Um, no, but I'm just saying. Like you, you, know, you you're right. You do the Twitter search. The the other part of it, though, and this gets to a larger question about comedy, is how much leeway comics ought to have in a, having to like sort of be responsible and apologize for the jokes that they tell, because you the the value of comedians is that is in that they push buttons. So, like there was a story about this comic, I think it was at Middlebury or one of these schools that. Was like screamed off the stage and whatever because he told a joke about um... yeah I saw that I know what you're right. talking and about and it was something to the effect of like being gay can't be like a choice because uh, a black person would never say uh, I'm going to make it this much harder I'm going to choose I'm already black I'm, I'm going to be I'm gay, gonna throw too. gay on top of it right and so nobody would ever choose that which by the way I'm
1: not. I have to say... It's an I, old joke. I was going to say, I'm not accusing this comic of plagiarism. I'm just saying I've heard that joke right, it's, many, it's, it's many, a, many years, right, my, many, many times. That was my biggest
0: gripe with that joke was, A, it's really not that funny. B, it's old. Like, I've heard that. Yeah, I I mean, it's an
1: interesting observation in terms of the idea of, you know, it being a choice is
0: ridiculous. But, again, the joke's been told. Right. So, but, like, having to apologize. Like, and like, But what's funny and what isn't funny, um, there is a... Spectacular Netflix comedy special by a comic named Hannah Gadsby called "The Net." Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that. It is that gets into a lot of these things. She is a a lesbian, you know, very you know, for lack of a better, like stereotypically lesbian-looking uh, comic. There's no like I should you know not hiding anything or whatever, um, and talks about how her comedy has changed a lot. And how her perception of her own jokes and what they do for her self-image and why they are considered funny and why that can be destructive, it really makes you rethink everything about what comedy, stand-up comedy particularly ought to be, all done in a very, you know, especially the first half hour is very funny before she starts making the audience uncomfortable about why they're laughing, which is the whole point of the of the set. Where where do you draw the line with kind of like how much leeway ought comics get to push the envelope and try something um, without having to apologize for every joke that they tell? Because the end result of that is that people will stop telling the jokes, depending on what it is or will everybody becomes Jerry Seinfeld. For, for me, I mean,
1: I, and I think you sort of answered the question in the way you phrased it. It's a question of whether or not you're actually pushing the envelope. Because, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak to the way society is going to broadly react to Blank because, you know, we we live now in, you know, an echo chamber vortex of outrage. Yes. You know, on, you know, whether you're talking politically, culturally, anything, 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 you know, from all sides. You know, everybody, there's a lot of people that get very upset over Blank. And in particular, we as a culture, and it's something that I don't like we love to see famous people grovel, and we love to see famous people apologize. And you know the world has kind of turned into the apology industry. But for me personally, it's about if I feel a comic is looking to really push the envelope in a thoughtful, purposeful way, then to me, you know, as somebody who appreciates, you know art, various forms of art, including stand-up comedy, you have to allow some degree of failure. You have to, otherwise, nothing ever gets better. Right. Nothing ever, you know, becomes innovative. You you have to allow. You know, we we work in live radio, which is, you know, it's a lot of ways like improv. You know, I mean, you have to if you're going to take
0: chances on air, you're going to fail. Right. We both we both done that. There's always the risk you're going to say, oh, I really wish I'd that. of course that. no something in my like I told a joke, I told a joke the uh, the other like. We've been doing a thing, I don't know, everybody doesn't listen to our station, but our afternoon, our new afternoon guy, George who's obviously well known across ESPN, used to host in the morning with Keyshawn Johnson and Elsie Granderson. And, the, you know, the, the joke was always, you know, the, the, now that the show is split up, that those guys hated each other. I told a joke that when George, who was on paternity leave for a couple of weeks after his son was born, um, he should to he should name the baby, Key, name it Keyshawn. Um, the joke being there, like to show, like hey, like look, you know, we all get along. I love Keyshawn. I name my child after him. Afterwards, it was pointed out to me, like that sounds like Keyshawn's the dad, like yeah. the father of the, and I, and after that, I had to sort of say, like, yeah, that's my bad, because in my head, that jo- I was telling a different joke than what the joke sounds like out loud. That happens. Oh, all the time. All the time. And, and that could be why, you know, you and I deal with
1: athletes all the time who are asked to sp- speak off the top of their head, often with their adrenaline still running from a game, very often with their adrenaline running after a game that could be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole act of doing this is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. So I've I've often had sympathies for a lot of these guys when I think their words are getting parsed in a way that's like, look, you know what they actually meant. Correct. Don't start getting... It's not about gotcha. Like, don't start becoming the semantics police. But back to your original thing. To me, if, if comics are actually trying to push for something, like push the envelope towards something that's genuinely creative and that might cause discomfort in the process, I applaud that. Kevin Hart was going after low-hanging fruit. Yes. And to me, if you offend by going after low-hanging fruit, no matter how outraged I may be or may not even care, I don't have any sympathy for you. Like, there's often you see comics who want to get extra points for just being willing to, quote, go there, you know, saying something that's, you know, a little bit taboo or politically incorrect. But if you do it in a way
0: that's just low-hanging fruit, I don't give a here's crap a, if you have to dig yourself out of a, a here's hole. Here's an example. We did a, a podcast with W. Kamau Bell, who hosts. Yeah. Uh, um, what's the name of his show on on CNN? United Shades of uh, United Shades, Shades of America. America. Um, and we were really excited, had him in, and we were talking about this. We, and we actually used the example of a joke that Don Rickles told at the at the roast for Sammy Davis Jr. Um, and Don Rickles, who was no, tw- I mean, just as biting a comic. Um, as you could find, as witty a guy as you would ever find, and as beloved in that community, and by all accounts was a wonderful person. Um, told the joke, roasting Sammy Davis Jr. We came up, and Sammy Davis kissed him, and you know said, "Wait, did any of, did any of it come off on me? Basically, like, did any of the black come off on my face?" And that is, I think, a perfect example of a joke where, on the one, he he is arch, almost Archie Bunker style. Pointing out his own, you know, the, the own intolerance, own racism, like, okay, I gave the black guy a kiss, but I don't want it, anybody to see it on me, right? But at the same time, like, and that's it's a joke that probably, you know, in nineteen seventy-eight, when this roast happened or whatever, plays very different for the audience than it would now. And my question to him, like to 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 Kamal was, is, is that joke still funny? Cause it, it was it's a it's a joke that's constructed fairly well, really well delivered. It was well timed. And it's done between friends who you, between know, really, same you know. I loved Don Rickles. Yeah. I mean, they were they were best they were good, really good friends. And it's so like it it's supposed to I mean it was today telling that joke would be designed to make you uncomfortable in a different way than it was whenever they made that roast. But is that still a tellable joke? probably maybe maybe not probably not but what i think is gets to that thing too is like if you're showing up to a you know pick a pick an edgy comic picking one of the 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 truly guys who really do frontline work you can't show up waiting for that one
1: for example a guy like him
0: you can't show up to a set like that Just waiting for for the line that's going to offend you and then complain about it. Because what did you expect to happen when you went into that theater? What were you expecting that to be? So there is some, there's a responsibility for the audience. Uh, There's a responsibility for the comic, I think, to make sure that you're telling jokes that are both true, that are, I think, inwardly focused in the way that Kevin Hart claims that stuff was at the beginning. And I agree with you. I don't think it was. Um, no, I think he's come to realize correct. that. Correct, and he's come to. You and, know, and I look, was wrong. He may, he may very well
1: be telling the truth when he say when he says I've evolved. You know, since that period, right. you know, I saw I saw somebody pointed out that evolution began when his movies started really making money. Um, so, and, and there are a lot, and I. So yeah. it's it's easy to it's easy to be skeptical of Kevin Hart in the way he's framing himself now, just in the sense that. Like on one hand, I get where he wouldn't want to apologize, in the sense that I don't like this trend of culling through people's Twitter feeds the minute they succeed something. We just saw this with Kyle
0: Murray, the quarterback at yeah, Oklahoma, he said when he just dumb, you know, homophobic, homophobic stuff homophobic when he was fourteen stuff. or, 15. 14 or 15. fifteen, using language in a way that kids use, right? Which language. doesn't make it it doesn't make it excusable, but but at, I mean, come on, but we it does make it
1: understandable. Right. And he and, and he and also what's the what what is the purpose of doing it? Like when we keep going through the Twitter feeds of famous people who who either achieve something or get nominated for whatever. When this stuff has potentially been out there for years, what is the point of doing it now? Are we doing it because we're trying to Evolve society in a better direction, or are we doing it because we want to drag famous people?
0: The latter, almost exclusively. So
1: I can understand where Kevin Hart would say, "Look, I don't want, I don't want to have to keep going back to this." But
0: the flip side of it is, he didn't. He doesn't seem to truly get. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if Kevin Hart is genuinely homophobic. I don't know if he's not. I mean, I don't. And I also think too, it's like we also have to give people space to be like, look. I mean i'll I'll give you an example. like I don't I, I, I consider myself fully, you know, embracing the idea of of trans rights, for example, but I don't claim to understand the community, the the community, the language, all these other things. There's a very good chance I could, you know use the wrong language, all these other, you know say things just because I don't get it. I'm trying. I'm trying to learn. Um do I do I you know all the bathroom bills and all that stuff is complete b s. Don't believe you should be discriminated against. Whatever, but like the the some of the the language that goes along with it, as we learn about what this is, is hard, and it's hard to remember. And the I think you know the the older you are, the harder I mean, it is. Like these are, th- I think, complicated issues. Um, I think you need to give people space to 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 educate themselves. The and and to say I was wrong here. And I'm trying to get better. I, like that's that needs to be allowed to, to happen. But you know the the other or to possibly
1: of it, be wrong again.
0: Yeah, but the other side of it too is like you know, are, are, is somebody really saying that they're you know apologetic or they? It's just it's, I mean the irony it's is, is it's a really Kevin, <laughs>
1: the irony is he ended up apologizing at the end once he decided right, he not realized, to take the gig. Right. So I mean the irony is he could have saved himself a lot of trouble, kept the gig. And actually looked better in the process. Right. The,
0: the problem with finger quote better. The problem with political correctness is that it has been corrupted from its meaning of saying something that's thought provoking and unpopular into I get to say whatever I want. Right. I want an excuse be to biggest, be a bleephole. Yes, I can. I can say whatever offensive do, thing I want. Right. I want to be able to do it without any type of consequences Correct. whatsoever. Uh, but it, it, the, the it's a fascinating. But to me, it gets back to that thing. I don't understand why they need a host. I, I, I would actually, love to see them try it for a year without a host.
1: I can, I would love to see that, too, if nothing else, because I think it would inevitably make the show shorter. I did come up, though, Brian, and I tweeted this out at Cam Brothers with an idea that I think is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. You have the entire Avengers cast as the revolving co-host, which
0: basically means they do a lot of presenting. Maybe like, they do, do you one mean or sh- just the core Avengers or like everybody who appears in Infinity War? Um, more or less everybody. Because I don't think they're all Avengers, right? Are, I, I would say basically I don't, I don't you know. basically you
1: bring out, you know, a lot of Wakanda, a lot of the Avengers, and are all... you bring you bring all you bring. It, I'm not a total nerd on this world. I'm, I'm checking it, but I'm just saying like a. This is on ABC, which means that it is essentially a Disney show. Marvel and Disney, you have that synergy. The next Avengers movie is coming out in early April, so it's like a month off from the Oscars. And there's this, you know, this problem, if you want to call it that, of the Oscars still appealing to middle America. You know, they attempted to, thankfully, scrap that ridiculous, you know, best popular movie category, which was just, you know, naked pandering towards, you know, middle America, if you want to call it that. Everybody would be excited by seeing the entire Avengers there.
0: So, are there enough categories. There, <laughs> well, but I, I two or three I, guys fine. come out at once. That's fine. I, that's fine. Like that, but I think would be kind of fun. It might be. Uh, it might. If I, you're going to do a host, I agree with you. I think I just, no host would be it. just see what interesting. happens. The, we just come out. The show starts, and we start giving out. The awards. worst thing that happens is everybody complains about the show, which they're going to do anyway. Right. Um, but anyway, so it's it's a it's an interesting pop culture moment that speaks to other. More interesting pop culture moments. I don't necessarily feel bad for Kevin Hart. Um, no, but I do. I
1: do understand. I don't feel bad for Kevin Hart, but I do understand. Sure, his annoyance at the situation, even if in certain ways he doesn't have a great leg to stand
0: on. Correct. I we mean, again, I think it's, they can both it's like be KD, true. Like two things can be true at once. You can have a a message that is valid with a messenger that's not so good. Um, you know, I, the the responsibility of comics is something that I'm I'm fascinated by and what that is because there are certain things that like you know what that joke isn't funny yeah and again, go back and watch this special because uh, Hannah Gadsby does a great job of under of, of explaining why some of these jokes aren't funny and why they're why they're destructive for the comics who tell them and the and the audiences who laugh at them. Um, but at the same time, Audiences have a responsibility. It's like show up to a comedy special. It's like just to be offended. It's like, why are you there? Well, I mean, you know, the people that clearly show up just looking to right. record stuff with
1: their cell phone to then turn around and put it out there to, you know, to bust a comic. You know,
0: you, comics have to have the ability to workshop stuff. I agree. Um, all right. Well, it's not, we're not going to solve that. We are still available. Yeah. Uh, at Cam Brothers. It's really the only the hosting Oscars solution people. that makes sense at this point. That you're going to unite everyone in their disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> and in it's these true. in these times, Andy, is there nothing that you can think of that's more important than bringing everybody together? That's true. And I think we could do that. Um, all right, well, we'll see everybody next time.